All right, guys, welcome to Choir Talks. Thanks so much for joining me here. Today, we're going to creep into the second chapter of Ephesians. It's a great chapter. I'm honestly intimidated to try to open it up for you. There's so much here that I'm sure I'll leave on the table, um, but I wanna share some thoughts with you. We're gonna use the word work uh, just to organize our thoughts around, to create a little outline. So first of all, I want you to see sin's work against us. Verse one, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Here's sin's work against us. Right off the bat, it kills. Sin destroys and it made us dead. We were dead in this sea of sin. Um, Jesus said, they seeing see not, hearing they hear not. He's describing someone who on the outside is alive, but in the spirit on the inside is dead. Paul says in Romans, the payment or the wages of sin is death. This is what sin brings about in our lives. It's death. Sin is the, is the culprit. And there's nothing we can do to overcome our own sin. Um, there's no doctor that we can go to to fix our sins. Um, you don't need a doctor. You need a savior uh, because we have to be resurrected from this dead condition that we are. You know, when we think about sin, um, we like to think of other people. You know, we want, we want to think of other people being more sinful than we are. But when you hear this descriptor, we were dead. You know what? There's no degrees of death. You are you're dead, and there's no one who's more dead than anyone else. All of us in our sin are equally dead, and there's nothing we can do about it on our own. Um, there's three enemies. I want you to see these three enemies here that are, that are working this work of death in our lives. Verse 2, uh, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Here's enemy number one. It's it's the ways of this world. I think what he's talking about here is just the collective groupthink of his society and definitely of our society. This just collective um, groupthink of our society that is dominated by um, people who are sinful people. And, it, and the conventional wisdom of this world um, leads us to stay in our dead sinful condition. Uh, but it's not only society, but it, he also says that it is ruled by the ruler of the kingdom of the air, a spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Why is our culture remaining in this sinful condition? Because there's a power. He says there's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Now, obvious, uh, it's obvious to me that he's talking about Satan right here. He's talking about our enemy. I had to go researching a little bit to see why they called him the prince of the kingdom of the air or the ruler of the kingdom of the air and uh, putting together different people's thoughts the best i can understand that is that the kingdom of the air is this in, invisible place of work and uh, it is below heaven and above earth um, so in that realm for a while satan has has rule he, he is not as powerful as the king of kings, and yet he has some authority and some power in uh, the, what is invisible to us, this kingdom of the air. So he is always at work to um, influence people. Notice here it says he is in, at work in those who are disobedient, those who are sinfully separated from God. 
He is at work in their life, even though they don't recognize it. They would never understand that that's what's going on, but they are being influenced by him. Um, notice the word disobedient there. Um, so uh, Satan was disobedient, and that's how he became Satan. You know, he, he was a, initially a heavenly creature, but he was disobedient to God. And so now this work that he is doing is to influence others to join him in disobedience. Here's the third enemy, verse three. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. So the flesh, and the Bible uses this term a lot. It, it, it's talking about that, that sinful part of us um, that, that influences us uh, to do and think the wrong things, to do the things that are in opposition to God. It's our, it's our fallen nature, uh, the Bible describes. It makes us disobedient. Um, and, and we are this by nature. Listen to this. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Sin, uh, we, we sin because it's who we are. You know, a dog doesn't act like a fish because a dog has a dog's nature and a fish has a fish's nature, but our nature is to sin. And so that's what we do. And consequently, we deserve the punishment of God. The wages of sin, Romans says, is death. So that's sin's work in us. But God is not content to let sin rule over us. And so listen to God's work for us. Verse uh, 4. And I love these two words. In the King James, the next two words are, But God, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together in Christ uh, because of his great love. First uh, John says that God is love. Our nature is to sin. God's nature or part of his, who he is is love. It's an intrinsic attribute of God. And that love applies to us in the form of mercy and grace. And, and here's the great news. God is rich in mercy, this verse says. He never runs out of mercy. No matter who it is and how far they are from him, God's mercy is, is bigger. He's rich in mercy. And, um, and so because of his mercy and because of his love, verse five, here's the work God does for us. He makes us alive. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace that you have been saved. So his mercy keeps us from what we deserve. His grace gives us what we don't deserve. It's salvation. It's being saved. He made us alive in Christ. Uh, remember, as we were looking at the first chapter of Ephesians, I told you that was an important term, in Christ. Our, our, our lives now are in Christ once we become his follower. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So he didn't just save us to be uh, slaves. He didn't just save us to barely get into the kingdom. He saved us and then he exalted us in Christ, we are positioned in the heavenlies to be a part of his inheritance and to be a part of enjoying the richness of who God is and the life that he's called us to in Christ. He has elevated us. But, but not only that, or here's the, here's the why. Verse 7, in order that 
In the coming ages, he may show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So here's what that's saying, is that he um, saved us not because of anything good about us, but to show his kindness and to reveal his love and his mercy. And so he reveals that in us. We are this living, walking expression of his grace. Uh, someone has said we are his trophies of grace. We are what he shows to the world uh, of what his love looks like because he has saved us. He puts us on display, and that is God's work for us. Um, verse 8, now this is a famous verse. It's an awesome verse. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. and This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Man, that just lays it out for us. We are saved not because of any good that we have ever done or anything that we would deserve of our own merits. We are saved completely by the grace of God. Um, so there's nothing we could do except, it says, through faith. This is our part of the salvation process. God reaches down to us in love and in grace and mercy and he offers us salvation. And through faith, we come to receive what it says right here is the gift of God. It's a gift. It's unearned. Not by works. So no one can boast. There's no good in us that deserves it. Verse 10. Now here's, here's God's work in us. Uh, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us. Um, we are God's workmanship. In the original Greek language, the word there is poema, uh, which is what we get our word poem. Um, he is working in us to create this literary artwork. He's writing uh, his, his story through us every day. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. God is always at work in you, writing this poem, this great work of art. Um, Philippians 2.13 says that he is doing this work in us for his good pleasure. He, he is daily at work through in us through prayer, through his word, through other believers, and through suffering, preparing us for what? Uh, for to do good works. Well, wait a minute, I thought we weren't saved by good works, right? Well, here we are saved to good works, not by our good works, but after we are saved, then God's power is expressed through us uh, through uh, by good works. And But notice where those come from that God prepared in advance for us to do. So even the good works that you'll see in, in the lives of a believer aren't because of that believer's own inherent goodness. That is God preparing those in advance and doing that work through us. So sin was at work against us, but God went to work for us and then in us as his followers and now through us to accomplish good works. In the beginning of this chapter, we said that we were slaves of sin and we were doing the works of darkness, but now through Christ, we are doing good works. Jesus said, let your life so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. These good works are for his glory and not for our glory. 
And here's the great news. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that as believers, we are equipped for every good work. You have everything that you need to do the good works that God has called and prepared for you to do. That is your new nature, no longer the sin nature of the flesh. That's your new nature at work. Is sin working against you and you have no hope? Or is God at work in you and through you? Are you trusting your own good works or your own goodness to, to attract God's love? Or are you depending on Jesus' sacrifice to bring you salvation? It's a great chapter. Read it, spend some time, and let the Lord speak to you through Ephesians chapter 2. I hope you guys have a great day. Join us Sunday morning at Ridgecrest Baptist Church on Facebook or on our YouTube channel. We'd love to have you worship with us.